Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Group Thinkers. My name is Justin Ford and I'm your host on, on this journey. Uh, we're in season six of Group Thinkers and everything in season six is about Gen X. And so we've been talking a lot about RKD Group study that we published on Gen X and their rise as a donor group and their new emerging connection to philanthropy. The full study, by the way, is available at rkdgroup.com slash Gen X. Uh, this episode is a unique one. This happens, I feel like, about once a season on Group Thinkers. Now, Group Thinkers is the, the podcast that focuses on nonprofit marketing. And, you know, on each and every episode, we have uh, uh, someone who's an influencer or an innovator. Today's no different in that regard. The, the nuance or wrinkle is that we're talking to someone about the aspects of leadership and Gen X's role, their mindsets, their ways of enacting leadership uh, in their space, whether or not that's in their homes, whether or not that's in their workplaces. Uh, and so I think this is super interesting as uh, as uh, someone who leads a team, first of all, to talk through leadership dynamics. Second, uh, when you talk about the connection into the nonprofit marketing space, because of the emerging role of Gen X as leaders within organizations, whether or not that's within a nonprofit or within you know, a corporation that you as a nonprofit leader might be working with or, you know, whether or not that's among your own team. So on this episode, I welcome Chris Eirig. And Chris is the author of the book, Own It, How Great Leaders Build a Take Responsibility Culture for Breakthrough Results. He's also the CEO of Fired Up Culture. And uh, you can find out more about Chris and Fired Up Culture at firedupculture.com. So on this episode, we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about Gen X's philosophy, approach, how that differs, and then we're connecting it back into the study. Uh, so yeah, uh, be sure, by the way, to follow RKD Group on all of our social channels. We've got tremendous content that we're putting out tied to this study and all aspects, the entire ecosystem of nonprofit marketing, from data into strategy, into creative, into different channel mix and makeups. So with that, uh, let's get right into the episode. Here is Chris Eirig of Fired Up Culture on Group Thinkers. I'd like to uh, I'd like to welcome everybody to uh, to this episode, this conversation. Uh, I'm thrilled and delighted to have Chris Eirig on uh, with me today. Chris, how are you, and how are things on the West Coast today? Justin, I am fantastic. It's a it's a great day. I'm I'm just outside Seattle, and uh, despite what everybody thinks, it is not raining here today. So all's good. All's good. Uh, you got a little sunlight peeking in from behind you, yep. so it looks like a, a looks like a beautiful day. Um, Chris, you and I were introduced to each other from a, a, a mutual colleague, and uh, we've had a couple conversations. You know, Chris is the uh, the CEO, uh, Chief Engagement Officer of uh, Fired Up, and so we're going to talk a lot about what Fired Up means uh, and talk about own it. 
the book, Chris, you provided me a copy and I've been uh, plowing through that. And so, I, you know, this is going to be a really exciting chat um, to talk about leadership principles and culture as a part of fired up culture and, and the work that you all do through the lens of different generations. And uh, and so um, I'm really excited, honored to, to have a copy of the book and to be able to talk about it. Uh, but I, I want to start with you talking about your journey. You've got uh, some deep experience into the nonprofit landscape, and uh, and so you're um, you're either a, either a recovering nonprofit <laughs> marketer <laughs> and leader, uh, and yeah. or uh, still deeply connected to it. So talk talk to us about your journey. So thank you. I um, it, you know nonprofit community work's been a key principle and uh, purpose in my life as long as I can remember. At the same time, I've come to realize that organizations, no matter if they're for-profit or non-profit, are a tremendous vehicle to get stuff done. We, we can each as individual only do so much. You, you join a community of people and, and magical things happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, you could tell I've got lots of gray hair, now white hair, and, and that usually comes back to uh, a career full of things plus raising four kids uh, and, and I, I found that throughout my professional career, I've kind of deviated between in terms of my own journey, should I be giving my talent and treasure directly to a nonprofit? Am I better to, you know, give them money and let it go? Um, and, and I, I found that my journey into and a part of and supporting uh, nonprofits pretty much came back to where I was professionally. And it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey. And I, I, there were days where I gave it all, you know, leaned right into a nonprofit, you know, ran a local homeless shelter, uh, to, uh, running talent management systems for a global organization called world vision. I mean, it, 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 it has, uh, done the gamut. Um, but what I have found through the years is that the themes that I'm most passionate about around leadership and culture remain the same, no matter whether it was a nonprofit or a for-profit. And I, I found that my, my, my professional pursuits, my strengths, the things that I thought I could influence the world with the most uh, were better served if I stayed outside of an organization versus inside an organization. I've done both, but uh, there's something magical that happens when an outside third party says the same thing somebody else is saying inside the organization. They tend to listen a little bit differently. So uh, over the last uh, 15 years, really focused on being an outside entity that could could speak into to organizations. But yeah, it's always been part of it. Uh, even in my what I call a vocational time, you know, I was on my school board for 10 years, things like that. So for so nonprofits have been a big part of our, our work today and, and will continue to be for a long time going forward. Yeah, share a little bit about the work that Fired Up Culture does. It's uh, it's it's really fascinating through our conversations, learning about it, and like you said, the, your ability to validate maybe feelings and thoughts, perceptions, observations. Talk a little bit about the uh, how you guys engage with commercial and nonprofit organizations. Great. It's uh, well, it is under the umbrella of culture, obviously, with the name, it's going to end up being there. But it really, it, you know, in simplifying it, it, boils down to how do we equip leaders to really own the culture and, and 
that wasn't a plug for the book, by the way. It's really the, the it's the, I need leaders getting up in the morning, hitting the ground running and saying, I am the one who can make a difference in wherever I show up. I think sometimes we think culture happens to us. It's something that we receive. It's something that we have to put up with. And I, not only leaders, but I expect everybody to, to believe that they can be an influencer in it. And um, so our work concentrates really on, I think, three key areas. Measuring what's going on in a culture. So we have a culture survey that can kind of get data to the conversation. It, it, it um, allows issues to be brought to leadership so that they can wrestle with it and prioritize it. Certainly equipping leaders through our coaching models, uh, and, and we typically work with a very broad range of leaders within an organization at the same time. So we're kind of coming at it from a lot of different angles. And then I, I think the third most critical part is we are change agents. So we like to come alongside organizations and help them go from where they are today and steer them, encourage them, facilitate them going in the direction of their preferred future. Um, and that usually over time takes a while because when you're you're moving an organization, it doesn't just happen overnight. So it's usually it, it boils down to bringing data to the conversation, having a good coaching conversation, and then doing some kind of facilitated change management. That's great stuff, man. Such interesting work. And I know we're going to hear more about it uh, as, as we talk today. Uh, so, you know, we're in the midst, this is our sixth season of group thinkers. And, uh, and the premise that we started the show with was we wanted to do something for nonprofit marketers to help them continuously think about, um, new emerging or different ways to do things. And, uh, but what's been interesting is somewhere along the way, at least once within every season, we have someone that thinks outside of nonprofit marketing and thinks about um, principles of leadership or organizational development or organizational management. And so I always love whenever we have guests like yourself, Chris, that can help us kind of take a beat and think about things that are connected to certainly what happens within a nonprofit and how nonprofits connect with their constituents, but also kind of elevates the conversation into a, a different stratosphere. And I think that that's where we're going to go today. Um, you know, we, we have our Gen X study that we put out, you know, in the last few months that uh, the, the premise behind it was that Gen X has been overlooked uh, by nonprofits in large part. Uh, that there is a, a concentrated focus on the silent generation and the boomers and that transfer of wealth. And man, everyone's interested in millennials just because we hear about it so much. And so within that, and as is apropos based off of stereotypes of the generations, Gen X is overlooked, right? It's the middle child. And so, uh, you know, we've dug into that and thought about it from a philanthropy standpoint. Something that we've we've learned by way of conversations is that there are many people that believe and understand that Gen X is coming into its prime, coming into its prime, both in uh, in what it means for their connection to nonprofits, but also coming into their prime as being leaders, coming into their prime as starting businesses and being CEOs or or other C-suite positions, and so. Just, uh, just want to start with a very broad question for you around how how have you seen generational perspectives 
influence leadership styles. So between, you know, the boomers and uh, and Gen X and millennials, how, how do you see, what do you encounter in terms of those generational perspectives and the connection to leadership? Yeah, great question. I, I, I need to answer it a little bit more specifically today coming out of COVID <clears throat> because I, I think we're seeing more evidence of that shift as organizations wrestle with this return to work thing. It's a real life example. And in my work, in my team's work, we we actually have um, the opportunity to really coach the entire spectrum. Sometimes we are dealing with that seasoned person that's been in the position for 35 years and they have a very distinct way of thinking because it's been their success model. They, they've known what, how, it, how they get the job done. And then you've got this middle group, which is the up-and-comers, the, the, the folks who have assumed some leadership roles, and they're, and they're trying to figure out, well, I really would like to lead differently than my boss has, but I have to honor these cultural systems that have said, this is the way we're always going to do it. And then you've got this, this younger generation that says, well, forget all that. We want something really, really different. And um, COVID ha- has really brought it up specifically around this remote issue. So you have, like the other day, I had a conversation with an executive. He's been in the role for 20 years, same organization, doing things. He is like, I want my people back in, my, in the office, eight o'clock to five o'clock. I want to see them at their desk working. His, his right-hand person f- fits into the Gen X and she's saying, well, wait a minute. We need to we need to really talk about fluidity in that. Can we all commit to a day in the office and you know flexibility for certain jobs to be working from other lo- locations? And I, I think that the 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 current trend is that we have to be more flexible. And leaders who have led a certain way seem to be, from my perspective, kind of missing the heartbeat of what leaders going forward are going to need to have, which is I'm not going to be as a leader in control. I'm going to set up an environment with others going to need to be in control. I'm going to manage performance to results, not to seeing somebody doing the work. I'm going to expect people to, yes, get the job done, but also have certain behaviors in how they get the job done. And so I see this tied now, the conversation is definitely changing between leaders, and depending where you sit on that generational scale, you talk about it differently, you react to it differently, and frankly, you're, you're kind of unpacking your own baggage around what we've historically done to now a new, a new way of thinking. It is definitely very real in today's world. Yeah, as you're talking about that, you talk about that, that tide, just to play into the, the analogy for a moment, it, you know. It feels like leadership is no longer driving a bus. Instead, it's captaining a ship. And and then you have to ask the question of, okay, well, well, who's in charge of the direction whenever you're on a ship? Is right. it the water or is it the captain? And so right. the water flows a certain way, and the captain has to help navigate that and leverage that alongside the wind and use the stars and the, the crew of the ship all together. And so it really is interesting. Something that we saw within our study was that amongst that middle group in particular, you can separate them in half and that there is uh, an older uh, Gen X and a younger Gen X, right? So we we dubbed the older as the hometown heroes because they, they 
They see more eye to eye with the boomer, but not exactly. And then there's the younger Gen X, which sees more eye to eye with millennial, but not exactly. And what ran right down the middle of that group is the emergence of technology by way of the internet. So when we've had these conversations, we've talked about, you know, pay phones versus mobile phones, right? Or or to what extent the sound of connecting to AOL and a modem and all that rings true in your mind that, you know, that that can that sets up some of that dividing line. And I'm wondering within your own work, as you have these conversations with leaders and or their other executives, as you mentioned, how that uh, that predisposition to technology and that digital divide also influences the way that leaders are currently looking at how to guide their organizations. Yeah, it's uh, again, it, it, I, I, I smile because we've all we're all fatigued from COVID, right? But there there are some things that COVID did bring to life. This whole idea of remote work versus in person work, but also use of technology and. Um, to, to watch how some leaders are just continue to be terrified about, oh my gosh, I've got to get on a Zoom call. And uh, that's not the same as being in a room. And how does that, and, and, and I think that technology really it, across that spectrum is intended to create greater engagement, which is what your business is all about. It's what my business is all about. It's about how do we connect relationships through engagement and technology and how we look at technology to leverage that and create those moments um, is different across all those generations. And some know how to use it better. Um, You know, I wouldn't say I'm the best social media guy in the world, but I'm really comfortable in front of my two monitors and my laptop, right? So I, I I can, there's places in there that I'm really comfortable um, and then there's other places where I don't think leaders are comfortable and, and depending where you sit, it is part of the conversation that we need to talk about is how, how do we leverage based on where we're sitting, the, the technology to drive relationships the way we need to. So, so we, we've talked about this almost through the lens of um, leadership in terms of organizational guidance and, and management, but we haven't tapped into the culture aspect. And, and I want to go there for a little bit, because um, a, as you said, it, it's something that, you know, clearly anyone that's leading an organization, anyone that's that's leading a nonprofit can help set a tone for uh, and, and help, you know, guide along the way what culture looks like, have, help own a, a big part of what it looks like. Um, how have you seen the emergence of this newer group of leaders, these Gen X leaders, had an impact on what culture looks like? Some of that same pivots that you've talked about in terms of, you know, how how we look at remote first versus et cetera. What, what about on the cultural side? What sort of trends have you seen there uh, or, or examples? Let, Justin, for the sake of the conversation, let me let me just back up just one second. I think we all, most of my conversations, I feel like most people say, yes, culture is really important. So it, that, that's a consistent statement for folks. But right behind that is, I don't know what culture means. I, 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 it's a big word. It's got it's got a lot. And frankly, that's where our whole culture survey process was born from, because we needed to make sense of that. To, for leaders to understand what, what's important. So, so let me give you a, uh, some buckets that fall under culture for me. One, the first is, are we clear and aligned and passionate around our purpose and goals in the organization? 
So that's the that's the the first place that we start. The second place is okay. We give people tools to your technology question. We give people tools. Do we have the right tools to actually get the job done that we're at, we're asking people to do? The third is are are we showing up with a leadership culture where leaders are expected to lead and, and equip and guide and provide expectations and performance management? The the fourth is really around teaming and collaboration, right? How how do we work together? Because that's the whole purpose of a community, is right. We're not we're not a bunch of individuals. We're 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 a team of people. And then the last thing that we really look at is okay, what are the environmental factors like? Do I feel appreciated, respected, things like that? So those when we break out culture, that's that's what we're we're looking at. That's a broad and, section, by the way. That's a that's a you know that you're hitting every possible closet in the house. Yes, exactly. It's got a lot of rooms in it. So yeah. when you ask the question about how generations are impacting it, generations have a different expectation with each of those closets. To put your terminology out there, um, when they show up in a room around, for example, purpose and cause, which spending some time in the study that you worked on, um, the purpose and cause is one of the moments where we hook together, where we go, we're on the same page. We, I believe what you believe. Uh, therefore, I, now that I'm connected, I either am inspired to do more, give more, uh, connect more, or mm, I'm just now hanging out with you. Or, no, we don't have an, a match here and it's time for me to go somewhere else. So it, it is the starting point. And a lot of times when we measure culture in for-profit organizations, they don't have an inspiring purpose that causes a level of engagement. Interesting enough, you take a nonprofit, it's almost the reverse consistently. So it's a tremendous amount of purpose and, yes. and maybe missing some of the other aspects. Correct. So yeah. I look at culture. Uh, 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 do we have a, a real connection to the heart cause heart cause of the organization? And do we have the, the tools and resources or the, the processes to really get the job done? So the business side. And what I find is nonprofits tend to really lean on uh, the heart side and not do a lot of work on the business kind of systems to get things done. And the reverse is true in for-profits. Really lean on the, the that whole process, but don't have the the the, the good cause based. So generations, I, I think, look at those two things differently. But also, it's become from where I sit today, it, it's become important that no matter if you're in a for profit or a nonprofit, as a leader, both sides have to be looked at, and both sides have to be built out. And if we lean too heavy on one or the other. Um, we lose engagement. We won't have the level of engagement that we really want. Uh, there's there's something that becomes a, a tendon for me in connecting those two. And I should apologize for the the number of analogies that I use throughout. It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. I love a, I love a good word picture. So I'm going to go with tendon. So I'm going to go to biology here in a moment and. And I think that there is, I, I, I believe that there's empathy that, that helps connect the two uh, because empathy can be evaluated logically whenever it comes to the system side of 
We're trying to get on the same page about the systems for us to best either go to market or activate these programs or connect with our donors. But then there's also the EQ side of empathy that is about um, understanding each other's perspectives and understanding how someone might define purpose. And I got to think that that's been something else that has been um, lit on fire in the last year and a half that organizations are just reckoning with. Absolutely. You, you know, I, I think organizations found that talents within their system kind of hunkered down over the last 18 months. It's like, unless you forced uh, talent to move because of layoffs or whatever, we just hunkered down. We just did our work as we're coming out of that talent is now saying, does this process of what, where I've chosen to do my work really align to who I am or should I go find someplace else to do it? And so in, if we haven't done a good job as leaders to meet all those uh, criteria that I talked about around culture, every time one of those slips, we create a moment for your talent to go, hmm, maybe there's someplace else I can go do this. So if I don't have a clear cause or I don't feel connected to the cause, that's going to be a draw for somebody to leave. If I don't have the right tools or resources to get my job done, or you're requiring me to come into the office five days a week, I can go find that somewhere else. Um, and so you can literally run down the list. And every time we connect those tendons, so to speak, the, the engagement goes up. Every time we reduce the, the, the connections, it creates this moment of pause or disengagement in, in the workforce. And, and, you know, when you, when you talk about that, and I think that that ties very nicely into parts of own it, uh, of, you know, that honing in on purpose, trying to stretch and reinforce the tendons. Um, what do you do when you encounter an organization where the purpose isn't connected? Because you know, even by the definition of if if generationally or for various other reasons, there is there's a broad sense of connection amongst the purpose. But what if you encounter with a you know say that there's a nonprofit that's that's tuned in that um, they know that maybe some of their uh, executive team and their middle management and their associates that the three defined purpose generally the same but specifically different and how so how what do you how do you coach them what does that look like in terms of helping work with them to get them to a, a place of of harmony or or um, at least being able to work <laughs> together collaboratively yeah it's a great question I, uh one of the things i find and this, it's, it, this really does come out of the, the measurements around culture that we do is that sometimes we think we're clear on what the purpose is. Sometimes we think we're clear on what the mission is. Uh, we ask questions around, well, what, how would you define the purpose of the organization? So, and I, I, I'm sure that your audience as marketers would appreciate this, how one person uh, you know, looks at one thing and the next person looks at it could be completely different. We think we're on the same page, but it's completely different. So I, I always start with, let's get really clear. Let's get really clear, not only what we do 
and the purpose behind it, but what we don't do. And we need to simplify that and make it really a, a very strong, clear message. Uh, businesses in general, for-profit or non-profit, we get stretched and start to, to um, diversify our, our, our purpose. And I would make the argument, if you're going to start and really create deep engagement with your, not only your talent, but your clientele customers, you, you've got to be really clear on what you are and what you're not, and not try and be everything to everybody. Um, when I worked at World Vision and I was running all the talent management systems for the U.S., my, my belief was we're not going to solve poverty. There's no way it's too big of a problem. It is a, it's a meaningful cause. I, I get that. But it also got legs really quick. And all of a sudden you were doing this over here and you're doing this over here and you're doing all of this over here. And that creates moments of disengagement for folks. The second part to the, to the answer is, and we have not talked a lot about this. Uh, when it comes to the purpose side of culture, the other thing that is really important to align is my values to your values. I reference it in, in the book around being a, a connected values model, where people tend to engage deeply when the values that I need as a person, the things that I believe as a person, align with the values of the organization. And most organizations, secret sauce to my work, most organizations state some kind of values, but they don't necessarily live out those values. They're, they're great words on the wall. They're not real active. Part of our process of measuring what's going on in the culture, basically the feedback of the people is, do you see this value being talked about and lived out on a daily basis? Well, if it's not, then the person on uh, that's, that's, that's experiencing that organization as a client or as a talent will go, hmm, that doesn't, it's not resonating with me, going to create that disengagement. If all of a sudden I see it really active in how an associate treats me, how this transaction moved more towards a transformational model, now all of a sudden my values alignment starts to really connect. And now I'm in. Now, now you've got me. Now, now I want to give all that I have. Um, and I think we lose those two pieces. So I, when you talk about purpose, I'm really talking about those two things. I'm talking about the, the cause of the organization, the thing that we're trying to impact. But then we're also talking about the values alignment. They're, they're both, both very quickly. What, they're connected. We, we need those two things to then get to the next part, which is goals. What are we going to do? What's the work we're going to do? If we don't have those two things, we can't get to that stuff. It's so interesting the way that, I mean, this just, it sits on, on the same street as some of the things that we learned in the research, right? So in terms of connecting with prospective donors and especially amongst, you know, younger donors, uh, purpose is the highest reason that they, you know, that they'll give. An alignment on purpose, that's the number one reason why they will give their time or their talent. In this case, we were talking about their uh, their their dollars, right? And, and, but the number one reason why they stop giving or number one reason to not give is what they would call mission drift, which is those moments of disengagement where somewhere along the way, purpose may be there, but values are how it's expressed. 
is different. I've got a, a, a colleague who will talk about mission drift. He, he'll pick up you know, a, a marketing piece from a nonprofit and be able to reference the number of times that there's I language in that marketing piece versus you language in that marketing piece, which makes it so one-sided that all of a sudden it feels like it's drifting away from the mission, which is trying to solve a problem, right? And so that disengagement, the root drivers for that often start with, um, as you said, uh, a lack of alignment on on those values. So interesting. Justin, I, uh, I, I'd like to share just a brief story, a personal story from, from my, my view. So we, my wife and I have been married 33 years. Over those years, we've had a common theme of some things that we believe are important in our community. Uh, done, done a lot of work around special needs adults and, and both that's actually where we met many, many years ago. And so the other day, about a year ago, we got really connected with a local farm that is uh, a live-in facility for uh, adults with disabilities, and they produce uh, farm produce kind of thing. Very community-based. Very, if you if you drove by it, you wouldn't know what it was all about, but it's it's very very um, life-giving and life-changing. And uh, through our work, we had come to to know it, but we had not really been donors to this to this place, and so. Uh, we started getting more and more actively involved with them about a year ago. And, and to the point I felt like for my wife and I, we knew what the purpose was of this organization, but over the year, we've experienced a lot of moments in how we've interacted with them and their communications where their values very much align with them. And one of the things we started doing this year is every Friday between noon and four, one of us drives up to the farm and we pick up a, a basket of vegetables that has been produced at, at this farm. And um, I came home the other day because I, I went up uh, last Friday and picked it up. I came home uh, to my wife and I said, it's not a huge basket. You know, it's got a, a few vegetables in it and a bouquet of flowers for my wife. That That is probably the most joyful thing in the uh, thing. But I, I did walk in and I said to her, this is a moment for me where I feel joy in my interaction. Uh, now, from a money standpoint, I'm not getting huge value for a, a carrot, right? I can go down to the store and buy a carrot for a lot cheaper, but I don't get that joyous feeling. And I, I literally came home with that smile and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things I do in my life where I feel like I give and, I, I, and we invest and all that. But this is one that really, frankly, is just pure. It's just full and, and, and to the pure comment, uh, to this part of the conversation we're having, it's about that complete alignment. It's the complete alignment between the purpose of that organization, how I see that purpose being lived out every day, but more importantly, every person I interact with and have interacted with over the last year, from their newsletter to their uh, farm staff when I go to pick up the, 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 the produce, values are consistent. They, they are like fantastically aligned. And I thought, that that's what's feeding that connection. That's what we're striving for, both on the culture side and as I believe marketers, as we're trying to to connect with an audience in relationships. Totally agree, and thank you for sharing that. I mean, what a uh, a beautiful picture of the fulfillment that is at the heart of fundraising, right? And so, yes, there's marketing that goes into it, and yes, we're trying to we use like scale and 
you know, trying to go to a mass market and convert and all of those things. But at the heart of it is the relationship that you just mentioned. And I, I think that that's something that it would do us all very well to reflect on that and, and the impact. And uh, another reason to have conversations with donors, because those things can help reignite purpose, even for our internal teams, whenever you understand the impact that it has on someone's life to be able to engage with the cause and the organization. Um, Chris, as we as we kind of round the corner uh, of our, our time, at the outset, you mentioned, you know, the reemergence uh, out of COVID or, or our understanding of, you know, what it looks like to be leaders in this COVID landscape now. Uh, and, and one of the the principles around that being flexibility going forward. Um, you know, I'm just curious of your outlook uh, and, and what you're saying to your clients, both on the commercial and the nonprofit side of what are some of the other things that they need to be thinking about or um, looking for amongst their teams just to help make sure that things are healthy and and that people are in a good spot as we try to find this new sense of normalcy out of what we've been in for the last 16 to 18 months. The um, journey that I've been on professionally, again, started about 30 years ago and specific to this work. And, and I, uh, I, I was in a nonprofit and one of the senses I got was we, we as a nonprofit, we did a really good job of taking uh, a, a body of work, taking a, a member. There's our first train, by the way. Told you it was going to come. So at, as I worked in this nonprofit, looking at the, um, the kind of the emotions that were going on, and as nonprofits, we're really good at taking talent and squeezing them until there's absolutely nothing left. And culture work and leadership going forward. So I've certainly seen this become more and more of a, uh, an opportunity within the workplace. Leadership has to give back. Le- leadership has to find a way to engage and build relationship. And that can't be a one-way street. I can't just ask you to come work for me and squeeze you like a sponge and leave you dry. I have to find ways to invest. So what do I mean by investment when it comes to leadership? It's do I provide an opportunity for people to use their gifts, strengths, and talents? That job alignment. I know I have a job that needs to be done, so I'm going to hire somebody to do it. I don't want to just hire a body. I want to hire somebody who's really gifted at it. That alignment's really important. Second thing is once you're in the seat, I want to provide real clear uh, expectations and agreements on how we're going to do the work. This is a place we break down all the time. Expectations of deliverables, expectations uh, around timeframes, all of that. Now, you, 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 most, a lot of your clientele that are listening to this work in agencies, and we have a lot of agency clients. Fast pace, um, get the job done by a certain date, lots, lots of that going on, lots of pressures there. But But the other side of expectation setting is what behaviors do I expect you to exhibit? Not only as a a member of my team, but what expectations do you have of me as your leader as, as we do this work together? And that leads to these agreements. We will never get to accountability if we don't have clarity of expectations, clarity of agreements, and a mechanism for providing feedback to each other. It's the place we struggle with the most. Frankly, that's what keeps 
me and my team well employed. That that space right there. So you you've got um, give me a chance to do what I believe in and what I'm gifted for. Provide really good communication and expectations, but also allow me to grow. Who you received today when I started is not who I want to be three years from now, five years from now. So we need to have intentional conversations about how you're going to help me along this path. And that's where, again, counter to this, come in, I'm going to squeeze you like a sponge. Now, all of a sudden, I've got to put back in you. Career development over the years has changed dramatically, Justin. It used to be organizations owned it. Now, individuals own it. Organizations have a place. They need to understand it. They need to have tools to help people do it. it it's probably a 60-40 split in my mind. 60% is owned by the person. 40% is supported by the organization. Th that's what creates that level of engagement. And you notice that all of those factors are leadership-driven. If a leader, leader doesn't show up, the leader doesn't um, make themselves available for conversations, if the leader doesn't understand uh, uh, what drives a particular person, and, and one of the things we try and do as leaders, we try and use our same um, processes and styles with everybody that's on our team, and everybody's different. You should have a leadership style. You should have a leadership voice. You should have a way that you go about your work, but you can't, you can't use the same communication. You can't you can't do the same process. One person you're going to have to meet with on a weekly basis. The next one you're going to, once a month is more than enough. We have to adapt. And I think the same is true when you talk about engagement with donors, when you talk about engagement with clients, is you have to realize we need to have a message. It needs to be clear, but we also need to adapt to understand, connect, and, and, and make, make those connections really tight based on the, the individual relationships that are happening. So, I, I love this conversation, Justin, because for me, the world of culture is the same world as marketing. It's it we're, it's all about relationship and it's all about engagement. My work happens to be inside. Your work happens to be outside. When those two worlds come together, that's when the pixie dust happens and and magic occurs. And and I, I really believe that we're at a space now as leaders where. The fog is lifting for many, and we're rebooting culture because factors have caused us to rethink things like being remote first or being digital first or being all of those things, both as marketers, but also as humans and as employees. And so we have to rethink culture. It doesn't mean you change culture doesn't mean that right. it inherently changes, but it definitely means that you have to rethink it and you need to spend time and invest in it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I eat up everything that you're saying. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Uh, Chris, the, the book is Own It, but this isn't the only resource. Uh, you have a website full of resources and blogs and newsletters um, tell everyone how they can plug in and get connected to you and to uh, to your team. You know, it's uh, you and I've had conversations over the last month. That that book is 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 new, but I um, I feel like that was one of the things that was on has been on my list for about thirty years to do. Right? It's like let's get to it. Let's let's write it. Finally, finally happened. But that book was never written to be uh, what you know, pays for my grandchildren's uh, college. It, it, I say that because all my kids are now through college. But I, um, I, I, I believe that the book 
in every resource that we put out there, whether it's a blog, uh, a monthly newsletter, whatever, is about making an investment. I, it, it, to me, is a way to share a message with people that I care about and want to build relationship with. So any way that you engage with Fired Up, whether it's um, you know signing up for our newsletter or blog through the website or picking up the book, I want you to feel like we're investing in you. And and as leaders, if you have an inkling to either take what you are as a leader today and get better at it or become a leader and take on more responsibility, we want to partner with you in, in that process. That could be individually. That could be as a team. That could be as an organization. We work with it all. We're, we're, we're happy to come alongside. I call them on-ramps. There's a lot of different on-ramps to connecting with us. So um, definitely visit the website, www.firedupculture.com. That's going to give and sign up for newsletters. Uh, but more importantly, I'm in the relational business. What's more important is connect with me on LinkedIn. Let's have a conversation let me know what your story is all about. I'll share my story and let's find a way to connect our stories because that that's what gives me life. I love it, man. Uh, I really appreciate uh, the time that, uh, that you've put into the conversation today and uh, and the ones that we've had previously and and look forward to our next one. Thanks so much for, for being on the show and, and sharing your wisdom and, and experiences. Justin, I appreciate it. Uh, everybody be well and safe. Keep keep, keep keep the faith. We'll get through this. We'll get through this. All right, man. We'll catch up down the road. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Okay, so there's the chat with Chris Irig of Fired Up Culture. And uh, what a great, what a great person, first of all. You know, it's uh, it's a joy on these episodes to be able to connect with and bring to you, our listener base, uh, these incredible humans. And Chris is definitely someone that fits into that category. Uh, I really like the aspect of what Chris was talking about in terms of how purpose and values got to connect as a leader that you can align on purpose. But if you don't align on the expression of that purpose into the value sets that sometimes that's where things can get, you know, a little wonky, uh, a little off kilter. And, uh, and, and so certainly as you have folks from Gen X emerging into leadership roles, that's a different dynamic and something that we're seeing and definitely on the, uh, the heels and with the reemergence of, uh, of folks being in real life or navigating what rem- remote first and digital first workplaces look like. Um, Also just a really interesting, fascinating set of ideas to work through. Important for for all of us, definitely important for those in the nonprofit space who are walking through these issues. So thanks for checking out this episode. Uh, As always, you can find more great content at rkdgroup.com. Gen X study is there. All of our blogs are there, uh, webinars, so on and so on and so on. I'm making up for the fact that Ronnie wasn't able to join us on this episode by talking up all of our content. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for checking it out and we will see you down the road. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. 
Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers. 